This episode is scripted, narrated, recorded and edited by Newell Fisher, with script assistance by John Ruths. Hello, and welcome to the Watership Down podcast, episode 60, another small milestone. I've recently seen another review on Apple that just about sums up what I want this podcast to be. On the 25th of February, Beanie posted, quote, This podcast is amazing. With Warship Down being my favourite book, film, TV series, I tried to talk about it with some people, but I was always shut down for liking obscure, nerdy stuff. But this podcast has the real feeling of belonging somewhere, which, combined with being about, about my favourite book, is a podcast I listen to often. End quote. This is the second review I've seen that refers to this sense of belonging. It's a great honour to be able to help provide this just by indulging one of my special interests in podcast form. Thank you so much, Beanie. On another subject, I've been thinking recently about my favourite chapter in Warship Down, and I've come to realise that it isn't one of the ones you might expect. My favourite chapter, all things considered, is chapter 28, at the foot of the hill. Here's why. First, and most obviously, it is the one in which the new Warren on Warship Down starts to recover from its lowest point, as they learn that Hazel is alive after being shot during the raid on Nuthanger Farm. But that isn't the reason. No, the reason why it is my favourite chapter is because of what happens at the foot of the hill, which is crucial to the story for two, for two very distinct reasons. First of all, a conversation takes place between Hazel and Fiverr that takes us further into the detail of the exact nature of the supernatural in this world than at any other point in the novel. And I'm amazed at how I never, never really took this in before starting this podcast. The chapter seems so transitional to the narrative that it seems to be far too easy for this to pass the reader by, or was that just me? Secondly, this is the chapter in which the main focus of the narrative moves firmly towards the south and Ephrafa, as Hazel makes his outline plan clear. This is where the nature of the story really does become more military in character. It is also the point at which Fiverr's mysticism and psychic powers, now surely never to be doubted again, become weaponised. From this point forward, his instincts will be believed, and ultimately they will prove to be the ultimate weapon for the rabbits of Watership Down for which five all pay a great price, a price he hints at earlier on in the chapter. It is a fascinating mixture of themes in one chapter, all the more impressive for one set mainly in a ditch. Ironically, the episode of this podcast in which I discussed this chapter is also one of my favourites. Firstly, it was by sheer chance the last one I recorded before our lives were turned upside down by my father's stroke last summer. As such, I feared an inevitable nostalgia for it. Then there is its sheer variety, First of all in the form of observation of nature, then correction of detail by a listener, and that's before we even get to chapter 28. If you haven't heard it already, can I recommend it? And if you have, why not give episode 26 another listen? Section 2. Opening Titles this section of the film covers from 3 minutes 40 to 5 minutes 40, and there is no equivalent chapter in the book. As the image of Frith melts away, it is replaced by a hazy rising sun. There is movement from out-of-focus grass in the foreground, and we zoom out to see more grass waving in the breeze as well as a passing butterfly. It is this level of animated detail that quickly lets us know that not only are we firmly in the real world now, 
but that it is going to be animated in beautiful detail. And now the camera pans left, and we get the first view of Watership Down on film, the single large tree standing on the high down. This is the vision of Watership Down that was emulated in the TV series in the 90s, even though, both in the book and in reality, the site actually lies at the north end of a long, narrow beach hanger, which is a term for a small woodland consisting of beech trees. This disappointed me when I first visited it as a child, but for rabbits this makes a lot more sense in terms of providing cover. Interestingly, and to its credit, the 2018 Netflix series portrays Watership Down far closer to the reality as a group of trees on the down. The camera lingers on the lone tree for a few seconds as a beautiful clarinet-based theme plays, and now we are taken on a journey as the credits begin. First, the camera moves down the scarp slope of the down, dissolving into another shot, shot as the words Nepenthe Productions Limited Presents appears. This is a reminder of just how independent this production was at the time. There has been no dramatic major studio logo to lead us into the film, as you would normally expect to see both then and now. Instead, we were straight into the action, and only now does the production company announce itself. The shot zooms out and right to include the iron tree or pylon at the foot of the down. And then it dissolves and moves left and zooms out into a more distant view of the down as a flock of birds flies across. This is the view from the warren of the snares that we will see again after Bigwig survives and Fiverr suddenly sees the down and realises that is where they need to be. I suspect it is a very stylized version of that view, but it will be interesting to compare it with the reality when I visit the site eventually. The words Richard Adams' Warship Down appear. Adams is spelt S-S, S, and John Ruth has pointed out, as someone also with a name ending in S, that the extra one is unnecessary. Just an apostrophe on the end is enough. And now we dissolve into a zoom out of the approach to the warren of the stairs, though in better weather than the narrative, as the credits appear for Angela Morley, who saved the musical score, and Marcus Dodds, the musical director. Malcolm Williamson, who Morley had to take over from, is, is relegated to a credit for incidental music. The tone of the music changes slightly. It is now more strings-based than woodwind, and becomes a little more dramatic as the beginning of the narrative is approaching. The shot dissolves to a right pan across fields as the words Bright Eyes, composed by Mike Batt, appear, followed quickly by Sung by Art Garfunkel. The camera zooms out and pans left to a graveyard and church tower. This is probably meant to be the churchyard at Newtown that we see the rabbits pass through at night before the rat attack in what looks like an abandoned church. We now dissolve to a zoom out of a hazy sky, as our view of their eventual destination becomes the mystery it is at first in the story. The editor Terry Rawlings is quote, credited at this point, and we pan down to cows in a field. And now there is another dissolve, to a pan left to an out-of-focus tree, as animation supervisor Philip Duncan is credited. Then the camera pulls back and pans right as we, as we see a glint of sunlight from the window of a passing crudidu or car on the road Bigwig will later demonstrate his bravery on. Now we are entering woods. The shot dissolves to the River Enborn and animation director Tony Guy is credited. One problem with this shot, the river is flowing towards the camera yet the direction of travel of the shot suggests that Sandalford, our destination, is to the left, or north. This means that the camera is looking to the east, which is the direction the end board should be flowing. And having been that pedantic, here's more. 
As the music begins to fade away, we can now hear a conversation that is taking place at the Sandalford Warren between two humans who we never see, in broad Berkshire, Hampshire accents. But the Warren is still about a mile away, as you will see if you watch my site visit on YouTube, so we would not hear them from the River Enborn. However, having granted an artistic licence, what are they saying? This conversation is the first dialogue to be added to the narrative. Effectively, it is the first expansion of the world of Warship Down from the book. At first, the words are very are indistinct. Then, as we dissolve to a shot panning right at Sandalford Warren itself, we hear the words, Down along the edge of that wood there. Enjoyed many a game pie from it too. A game pie is one made from hunted wildlife. This reminds me of the shotgun cartridges I found deeper into that exact wood last year. So the very first words spoken in the film, other than by Frith as narrator, are by a human referring to killing wildlife. We can also hear the sound of nails being hammered. These humans are up to something. The reference to enjoying hunting in the woods is replied to by the other human saying, Ah well, you can't hold back progress, shame though. The final credit comes up, written for the screen, produced and directed by Martin Rosen. Why not just say screenplay by, or were they saving themselves an extra credit for timing? The humans talking are giving us as fellow humans sufficient hints to realise that the wood being referred to may not be around for much longer. As the camera pans right to a shot of a setting sun, which I've used as the image for this episode, we hear, Good Lord, it's gone eight, and I told Lisbeth we'd go into Newbury this evening. Sandalford Warren lies on the very edge of Newbury in Berkshire, just south of the rugby club. We also now know the time of year from the sun's position and the time. It is May. The man continues, Old sun sets so late in summer, it's morning before evening. And then his words become indistinct as we hear car doors slam and a hoodoo driving away. As we hear his closing words, we cut to a rabbit's eye, open and attentive. It blinks as the camera zooms out. Then it sniffs the air quietly. This rabbit is rendered in impressive detail, with every hair seeming to have been drawn. Once again, I remember my 11-year-old reaction to this very clearly. This film was made at a time when you simply would not expect to see fur drawn in this much detail in an animation. And I remember thinking how incredible it was, and how there was no way they would be able to keep this up, which indeed they do not. This was long before computer animation made this possible throughout an entire film. But it is an impressive first sight of a wild rabbit, quietly hiding and waiting for the humans to leave so it can silflay. So far, we are still in our human world, and this wild rabbit is just a dumb animal, in both senses of the word. But the camera is zooming out, and all that is about to change. Comparison with the book Strictly speaking, there isn't much to compare with the book in this section of the film, except at the end. We have been led by the camera on a beautiful journey from Watership Down itself to the Warren where the story opens, by means of the impressive backgrounds used in the film, as well as subtle moving elements added for interest, such as waving grass or a glint of sunlight from a car window. If you didn't already know the story, the significance of this sequence would probably be lost on you though you will probably realise the place at the start actually is Watership Down. In the book, we are just led into the Warren at Sandalford with beautiful descriptions of nature at that time of year, followed by a description of rabbits feeding, as we might see them as humans who observe them quietly, as Richard Adams must have done many times. The dreaded notice board that we will soon encounter is already up, and no reference is made to it until Fiverr discovers it. Here, however, 
the humans are loud and present right from the start, whereas in the book we do not encounter a human until chapter 10, The Road and the Common. Ironically, that human is using a shotgun and is not seen either, just felt in the ground as he walks away. And these humans have perfectly demonstrated the utter banality of evil. They are probably just workers for the Sandalford estate, which in this story has decided to make money by building housing on previously untouched countryside. At the end of their working day, they have been tasked with putting up a notice board about this development, which they do not even question. After all, that's progress, right? On which subject, in our real world, Sandalford Park is actually under ongoing threat of development. For more information, visit saynotosandalford.org.uk. There is also a petition linked from that site. Next time, we meet Hazel and Fiverr for the first time. And Fiverr finds something terrifying. Mm-hmm.